first you got to make sure that they actually have money. Send one of your homeboys over there to go kind of intimidate them. Go up to him like, you know, just kind of befriend them. Like, man, what's going on? He's bothering you. I'll keep them off your back pretty much. Sometimes they'd be so grateful that you was trying to look out for them that they'd offer $50 a week or $100 a month. Good bit of income came in pretty much, I'll say that. Welcome back to the Broken Home Podcast. Hope you're all having a great day. Tonight, we got a fellow YouTuber coming through. He hosts the channel Life in Prison, West Virginia. Zach Bates. How you doing tonight, Zach? I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on here. Greatly appreciate it. Hope everyone's having a good weekend as well. Yeah, no problem, man. We're glad to have you on. And while we got everybody's attention, make sure you guys all hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up, and leave a comment for our boy Zach here. You ended up spending five years in maximum security. Okay. How did it happen? You got to take us through that. I never got in trouble when I, you know, whenever I was younger. I came up, I came up in a very nice household. I will say that. Definitely didn't come from the streets. Suburban life was pretty much my whole upbringing, uh, private school and stuff. So. It wasn't until I was a little bit older, 17, 18, is when I actually started getting troubled. And reason being is it was pills. Pills kind of got me all involved. I was, um, I was supposed to be taking Adderall when I was younger, right, for years. So I would go and get the prescriptions, but I wouldn't really take them because they kind of made me feel funny. You know what I mean? And my mom was like, well, you know, you don't have to take it if you don't want to today, but tomorrow's test day, so you need to take it then. So it was like that for years. So there was thousands of these things stacked up, right? Got kicked out of private school, went to private school my whole life, all right? Up to 11th grade, ended up getting kicked out. Went to public school. Now this is 11th grade. So one of my skater buddies, I was driving to school one day and uh, I just so happened to have two of my Adderall sitting in the center console. And uh, he was like, I'll give you $10 for both of those. Like what? It's like, yeah, man, people love this stuff, dude. I was like, why would they take this? And my I'm not thinking people get high with this stuff because I didn't, I wasn't around that stuff pretty much. You know what I mean? So it kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, bro, we're, we're going to be rich. He was like, <laughs> why? Like, bro, we're not even going to school today. Turned around back to the house. My parents were gone. My mom and dad, they're, they're older. They're in their, uh, in their late seventies. Now I'm 34. So everyone in my family is a little bit older. When they adopted me, they were, they were almost, almost 50. They had had a lot of operations and surgeries throughout their whole lifetime. Did a lot of um, off-wheeling, full-wheeling, um, dirt biking, stuff like that. They've had a lot of accidents. They never took their medications whenever they had these operations. So there was oxycodone, oxycodone, morphine, that type of stuff. So that's kind of where it all started. You know, I started selling my Adderalls, ended up getting kicked out of public school after six months of being there just because I was selling stuff and they didn't catch me, but they knew. So they ended up kicking me out for fighting, even though I'd never gotten any other trouble. They just, they knew. I turned 18, February, 2007, July of that same year is when I started getting locked up. And that's where the downhill slope went, 2007. What were you originally busted for the first time then? Was it the pills or were you selling it there? Or did you get caught trafficking? What happened there? So the first time I ever got locked up, it was for domestic, got thrown out. So like I said, my parents are very Christian and we, my parents and family, my whole family is Seventh-day Adventist. I'm, I'm not sure. A lot of people have never heard of that. If you haven't, what our belief is, 
is pretty much you go to church on Saturday. So every Saturday we went to church and you had to dress in your finest. You didn't wear jeans. You didn't wear clothes with holes in it. You wore your best. I had some khakis that had some like ripped holes in them, some stylish stuff, right? My dad was not having that. We pretty much got into a fight over church clothes, right? So he pinned me against the wall. We had words. Uh, he pinned me against the wall. And then I turned around, pushed him against the wall and held him. So my brother-in-law ended up calling the cops. They came, arrested me, came in, guns drawn. It was crazy. I was only there for like seven hours. I didn't go to, to the back that time. I was only in holding. They bonded, my parents bonded me out. Um, that was my first taste of jail, pretty much. It was like three months after that is I finally got locked up on a receiving stolen property. I'd taken my grandparents' bank card, took $200 out of it. That ended up coming back around. I got sent to jail, you know what I mean? Because they didn't know who ended up taking it. Then they found out who. My Even though my parents were like, I wouldn't want to press charges, the state picked it up. So that's when they came and got me. I was in there for two weeks, bonded out. For that, all that stuff, I ended up getting put on unsupervised probation, right, uh, for a whole year. I made it about 10 months, caught another charge, receiving stolen property, end up pawning something that someone had ended up stealing. I didn't know it. So that violated me. They ended up giving me a year in the regional. Uh, and the year in the regional here in Martinsburg, West Virginia, at Eastern Correctional Center, you do seven to eight months out of that year. You know, you, you work, you good time stuff, you know what I mean, day for day type situation. But if you mess up, then time gets pushed back. So I end up doing out of the seven, eight months, I ended up doing about nine months out of that just because I kept getting in trouble. That was 2008 and then 2009. After that, I didn't get in any trouble until 2011 when I finally actually went to prison. What was causing you to start behaving like that? Because it sounds like you had a very good childhood. Was it like the wrong crowd that you were getting in with? Is that what took place? I'm not going to say... I'm not going to put it on that. I will say it was definitely a combination of both. The people I was around and then also my own tendencies. I have an addictive personality. I, you know, I admit that. I have addictive personality. And, you know, once I started getting around, you know, the individuals that were buying drugs, then I was now around drugs. And I never smoked or drank anything up until that point. And yeah, drugs, drugs was definitely a, definitely a factor in a lot of things. I never caught any drug charges or any type of violent stuff, but... Drugs back then was definitely uh, a key factor in the downslope. Yeah, for sure. Were you were you, so you were addicted then? Would you figure? Yeah, I didn't start using drugs. Um, I started selling them around two thousand six, two thousand five, two thousand six, and didn't actually end up doing in them until about two thousand nine, two thousand ten. That's when I actually started doing them myself. Pills. Pills, and then end up going to heroin, to be honest with you. Oh, you got addicted to the H, too. We're an hour from Baltimore, so, you know, it's it was very accessible back then. And you could get a gram of it for $40, $50, and it was good stuff. Bring it up here, and it, the gram's easily going for $200, $400 a gram. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, similar to how it is up here, too. You go down south or just cross the border, like 20 minutes away, half an hour away, and you'll get it for the same kind of price. Then you come up here and you make four times your money off it. It's crazy like that. And oh, now yeah. all stuff, it's, it's scary. You know, now with me actually being in the medical field and have gone through my own type of situation in life previously, we see a lot of patients coming in that are 
you know, injecting fentanyl or what they think is fentanyl pretty much. And people are either overdosing or they're getting these, these cysts in these boils and stuff because their, their skin popping and it's eating their skin away. Like it is, it's scary. It's scary right now to be a user pretty much and, and a seller to be honest with you, because if you sell to somebody, if you don't know what you have and they end up dying, now you got a body. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So how did you end up getting clean? So right before I actually went to prison, um, I got out of jail from doing that year, 2008, 2009. There towards the end of 2009, going into 2010, I actually went and got enrolled and to get my um, associates in business at a Blue Ridge Community College up here. So I was really trying to do the right thing. That kind of scared me pretty much. You know what I'm saying? A lot of friends were dying. I never sold the heroin. I, that was the one thing I never sold. Pills, yes. Coke, yeah. E-pills, Molly, yeah. But I, I didn't do the dope. All my home, but like all my homeboys did, like everyone around me. So how it would go is, unfortunately, I would get people pretty much addicted to pills, right? They start buying perk fives, perk tens, then you know they go all the way through the thirties of pandas, oxycontins, and once it got to a point where they're spending two hundred dollars a day with me, I'll be like, look, you know, I got a buddy who's got this stuff. It'll save you money. Does the same stuff, and then pass them off. Pretty much, you know. After that, it was. It scared me, you know what I'm saying? I saw where, what it did to me pretty much, you know, and I was like, man, I can't, I lost everything and everyone around you because you make these excuses and everything's always someone's fault. And, you know, I like being around people. I like talking to people. So that, that kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. Yep. As hard as it is for me to admit it, I, I know exactly what you mean. I was the same, I was in the same, same shoes, same situation. Nine years sober, June 8th this year for me. Congratulations, man. That's dope. Thanks, bro. And same to you, man. Congrats for being straight and narrow, too. Well, I I, I do partake in uh, marijuana. I will say that I have, I've got my medical card, but I don't drink. I'm, I've never really been a drinker, really. I, I don't know. I will drink. Let me say that. I will drink, but I don't drink. I can't do nothing. If I do one thing, it'll just snowball. So I just stay away from it and just live my best life. Hey, everyone's got their own thing. It's perfectly fine, man. What got you sent up to prison then? How did that take place? End of 2010, going to 2011, I had a buddy who had gotten a full ride to WVU uh, University, West Virginia University. His parents were millionaires, all right? I'll just say it. His parents were fucking loaded. Since he had a full ride, he was a smart kid, but he was spoiled, all right? So long story short, he ended up getting cut off. His parents ended up cutting him off. He was partying and stuff, really going through some money. So they're like, look, we're going to send you money for gas and food. That's it. No extra stuff. He wanted to keep living this lifestyle. At the time, I was back in selling pills, but I wasn't doing them. I've given him a script of some Roxy 30s, right? 120 of them. I was like, all right, look, I'm going to give these to you. Just give me $1,500 back whenever you get it because I've been going up there all these kids would buy these pills for $35, $40, $50 a piece, and I'm getting them for $5 a piece. So, yeah, it was a no-brainer. I knew this script would be gone within a couple of hours. So I was like, all right, it's the week, you know, just whenever you come back down next week and just bring my money. So at the time, my fiance at the time was friends with his girlfriend. Long story short, he ended up getting addicted to the pills. So what had happened was he started selling them, made a little bit of money, but then he started doing them. After that, the ones he had left, he did those. And then the money he made, he went and got more. 
told me that he ended up getting robbed. I believed him because, you know, I, it happens. It's name the game. You're up there. You're who you are. I could, it, it had happened. You know what I'm saying? I, I bit the bullet. His girl ended up telling my girl, like, listen, girl, don't have him ever give him any more things. She, she's the one that told us, like, yeah, he did all your stuff. So I didn't say anything. I waited a couple weeks. He came back down and stole a party at his parents' house. Big house. In the house, they had this music room. Drum set, guitars, a bunch of stuff. So he was he would always brag about this one guitar. I'm not a guitar dude, but from what he kept saying, I was interested in it, right? It was a 1957 Gibson Les Paul Custom VOS with a pearl neck and some gold trim stuff all over, right? It was, it was valued like $17,000. So I took it the night at the party. Uh, no one knew I took it because I was already there, right? A couple of weeks later, I didn't sell it. I still had it. I was trying to find someone who would actually pay what I thought it would, you know what I'm saying? Like eventually found out it was his dad's actuality. I felt bad because his parents had taken me on vacations before and vice versa. So I felt bad. I gave it back. So the parents dropped the charges, but the state picked it up because they had already given me a shot before and dropped my misdemeanors and made me eat the misdemeanor set of the felony. So this time they're like, no, nah, you're biting the bullet. You're taking this. It was, they hit me for grand larceny, entering without breaking because I was already in the dwelling. You know, I didn't have to break in or whatever. As they're arresting me on those two charges, I'm handcuffed to the bench. The cop left out the room. At the time I'm sitting there, I've still got work. I've got my apartment. I'm like, yo, I know I'm done for, right? So I'm like, I really don't want to be here right now. So I ended up slipping my cuff. I, you know, made my hand real small, spit on my hand, slipped the cuff off. And I'm just kind of sitting there for a little bit, for a couple seconds, just really contemplating what I'm about to do. I'm gone. I left. I run down the hallway, hit the door, and I'm outside. There's a couple cops out there smoking, just kind of doing nothing. And they, they see what's going on. A little siren starts blaring. So I'm kind of running towards them because it's one way in, one way out because they got, you know, fence in and out. So I kind of zigzag them and then shot through the tree line. I was gone for two and a half weeks. They they had city, state, county, a sheriff. Everyone was out there looking for me that night. They didn't find me. They were not finding my little black ass. They was not finding me. So I was gone, right? <laughs> I was gone. Didn't go to my apartment. Didn't go back to work. Uh, I was staying at a friend's sister's house. And that's where they ended up finding me because... My friend and his sister, their parents actually lived across the street from my parents. So we grew up together. That's how I knew them. Well, their parents knew where I was. They called the cops. They came, sniffed me out, trashed me. They trashed me. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I get a felony escape. So those are the three felonies that I'm catching the stuff. So what the escape is, if you're being arrested on a misdemeanor charge and you escape, now you have a misdemeanor escape. If you're being arrested on a felony charge and you escape this felony escape. So that felony escape charge <laughs> kept my classification up the whole time while I was in prison. So that's why I was at maximum security the whole time because of that escape. All because Damn. you just tried to right your wrong and return a guitar. <laughs> yeah, man. I, man, I wish you would have just learned how to play the guitar and kept the damn thing in secret, you know? I know, right? Shit. <laughs> that's... That's I'm horrible. Glad. I'm glad though. You know, I need. Yeah. I personally needed that wake up call to be where I'm at today because I. It, that would have never happened back then, man. Never.
what's going through your mind on day one now you know that you're you're being locked up big time this time like what's going through your head on day one walking through those doors in the back of my mind honestly i thought i had a shot of getting at least bonded out you know what i mean but after i got to talking to a couple of people because i I was doing time here and there so the guards knew me there's a couple people that were always in it now you know what i'm saying so they're like look you know they've been in the game a little bit longer they're like you know with uh, any type of fleeing or any any of that stuff, they're like, they really don't like giving people bonds because they think you might run on the bond. So, yeah, they, they gave me a bond, but it was crazy high, dude. My parents were like, nah, you're going <laughs> to, Zachary, you're going to learn your lesson this time. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sat, man. I, I was I was only there for, at, the, at the regional waiting for a bunk probably like, nine months maybe what was it when the you know when the reality hit that that you were not going to win this yeah i was that was at court you know because with preliminary and stuff you know it seemed pretty good you know what i'm saying my lord my lord made it sound good public pretenders they always made it sound good so um <laughs> their court you know he was like the judge was like you know mr bates we have previously given you opportunities to pretty much change and they're like this is above and beyond they're like it's not too crazy you know we've seen crazier but from your past mistakes you're doing this you know what i'm saying it might have been a gap but you're doing this so you're going to go to prison this time and i was like what bro you're killing me dude <laughs> so the whole vibe was trash i i kind of you know i'm not gonna lie i was hit but they only gave me a one to 10, you know, they combined all three, gave me a one to 10. So five years here in West Virginia, it kills your sentence. But I was eligible after one year. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I can get out in one year. That's cool. I've already kind of done a year before. I'm good with that. <laughs> I needed that five. I clearly needed that five, the whole five, to fully understand what I really needed to do pretty much. So day one. You're getting brought into prison. What is that experience? Oh, yeah. I, would, I definitely say I was scared, you know, from because I'd never been there yet. So a lot of dudes that was in the regional, you know, they make it sound crazy. Now, I already knew a lot of people in the jail, and I, I knew I knew a lot of people in prison. So I issues, I didn't have any issues, but you just still, it's the unknown. I was like, man, this is going to be, this is going to be crazy. I was already saving my money up so I could get my tattoos right when I get up there. So, yeah, I was scared for sure, man. And uh, they end up putting me on, you know, on a, on a gang unit. <laughs> so that was that was even worse there. When they told me my classification, you know, it was supposed to be around a three to five. So with me being affiliated, not yet completely down, but affiliated with certain individuals and getting in trouble with the regional, that's what also made them really put me in a five. So at least I had a single cell. So I didn't have to worry about people being around me while I'm sleeping, not seeing stuff. But yeah, I was scared. Not gonna lie. You know, walking in first day of prison. Yeah, I was definitely uneasy, uneasy for sure. So when you get in, you're on the gang unit. Are you trying to explain to these dudes like, hey, I'm not I'm not fully in this yet. You know, <laughs> how, how was that? Did you have to explain yourself or did you jump in with an organization? Like, how did that go? So 
when I'm part of I'm DMI, um, Dead Man Incorporated, with us being this close to Baltimore, like I said, an hour away, that's where DMI was originated and the Maryland State Prison back in you know the early 2000s. So the people I was hanging out with on the streets and in jail were DMI members. They were dogs. So I was already involved with these guys, but to be able to even want to be involved with them, you have to be in prison to to officially be down pretty much. Now, there are people that get involved with it and get their flag or come home, right, on the streets or in the regional. That's, it's frowned upon. You know, it's it's just frowned upon. You know, there are, now to go wrong, there are good, solid dudes that have came home that way, but it's just rules and regulations. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. coming up there, it wasn't a thing for, how could you say, uh, being scared or whatever, because I was the only black DMI member on the yard for four, three and a half, four years straight. So I was the outcast. Um, numbers wise, we didn't have crazy numbers like that. Absolutely not. Bloods and Crips had crazier numbers, but it wasn't about, oh, well, they look cool over here. It's, I knew these guys, what they, what we believe in and what our mission is pretty much what I can say is, I was down with that. You know what I'm saying? Our views were the same. So that's that's why I didn't I could have did my whole ride without getting down and getting involved in anything. Actually, I would have got out a lot sooner, honestly. Like being involved with those being involved definitely made me do more time than I should have. So like I said, I I don't regret any of it. You know, it's definitely learning experiences, but they, yeah, when I got there, they, they already knew who I was. So it was pretty much just, you know, whenever you're ready, we're ready. You know what I'm saying? Did that make you a target from the brothers then? Nah. Now, my nickname before prison, actually, my nickname, they gave me, a, I got a nickname whenever I first got locked up. Actually, my, the second time I got locked up, when I actually went to the back, that was White Boy. That was from an older DMI member at the time. Because, like I said, I went... I went to a private school. I snowboard, skateboard, BMX, Tony Hawk. Like I like that kind of stuff, you know. Imports. I like. I love doing cars, tuner stuff. So he was like, "Man, you act like a real white boy. Your nickname, White Boy," and everyone just went with that. So I was like, "I, I just kept it. I didn't care." Plus, it kind of helped out because if if a note gets hit off or someone's yelling something, if they say White Boy, they're not thinking of a black dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. It, it kind of helped me get away with stuff. Thinking uh, back over over those five years, do you have a definitive worst day in prison? And then on the flip note of that, I was I was wondering, did you have a best day in prison story? Is there yeah. such a thing? We'll start with the best day in prison. I would definitely have to say the day that I got out. Hands down day that I got out. Best day in prison. For those who have been to prison, you kind of have to not think about the outside while you're in there. So we've all had fun days. Like we all had a blast. Not not everyone had the same experience. I'm sure people had it rough, but me personally, I had fun in prison. You know, yes, we are in a serious setting and you can't goof off because we're, we're convicts. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? It's people never getting out, but you know what I mean? Day getting out. That was the best day ever. I'd say the worst day was probably what, probably one of one of the worst fights that I got in. I would definitely say that was the worst worst day of my life. Uh, I got slapped. I had I had prison glasses on. I got slapped. 
we end up fighting. Now, when he hit me, the glasses end up cutting my eye, like like cutting my eye. I end up having to go outside um, just to get some stuff to touch up with. Um, yeah, that didn't. That went bad. Seventeen of us end up going to the hole after that fight because he slapped me. I punched him, pushed him, punched him, pushed him in the cell. We get the hitting. He he was starting to get the best of me. I'll say that he started to get the best of me. Someone came in, got him off me, and commenced the doing the river dance on him. We river danced them. They shipped him out. They shipped him out out of there. It's funny because when they shipped me out of there, they shipped me to the same prison. His name was Shake, right? Antonio Collins. Uh, he was in there for murder. Smoke doing the gas station for bumping into him pretty much. Like he was, he was out there. Big dude. He knew when I hit the yard, we had a conversation. He was like, look, even though y- y'all did me dirty, we did him real dirty, right? I messed up by slapping you in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So that would be the worst day ever. Like I said, the, the good thing out of it, I did get to go to the outside doctor. So that was like a car ride after three and a half, four years of never being outside. That was entertaining. It was like an hour and a half drive one way. Entertaining. So I guess it was the worst and the best day of my life because I had free food for a couple hours there. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you go first? First thing, where does a guy coming out of prison go? Where's the first place you're gone? My parents, my mother, my father, my sister ended up picking me up. So Sheets, within that town that we were at, uh, Huttonsville, uh, Huttonsville Correctional Center, that was where I discharged my sins at. So out in the middle of nowhere, man, like nowhere. So we go to Sheets, and it's cr- like I feel crazy just because there's so much going on. So I'm just like standing next to my mom. You know, she's like down here. She's small, small, small little old white lady with gray hair you know what i mean so when we walk together we get crazy looks anyways because they think i'm trying to mug her or something you know what i'm saying (laughs) but um yeah she's was the first place i went out other than that with them they didn't want me out because if i was out they didn't know what i was doing that i just got out of prison so they didn't want me going anywhere when i first got out other than the sheets i kind of stayed at home for you know a couple weeks until i well i got a job pretty much i was home for a couple weeks finding a job that's all i was doing job hunting literally the first thing i started doing i was job hunting because I, I didn't have papers i wasn't on parole or anything so what got you into the youtube game well i've been seeing a lot of dudes making youtube videos man um jay williams you know lockdown 23 and one you know a lot of these dudes you know they have great stories even everyone has different types of prison experiences and just because people are involved in gangs or aren't involved in drugs and dope and all this other stuff. Everyone's got a different story that's very interesting. And you can learn anything from anybody as long as you're willing to listen. Why not tell my story out there? You know, plus there's a lot of dudes I still mess with that's still locked up in prison. They also have a story to tell as well. So if I can compensate off the time that I did and somehow get something out of that while helping others possibly not go down the same path, why not? You know, that's right, man. That's right. And speaking of which, you do a lot of interviews with guys that are still behind the bars right now. How does that work? So do you get them on through their JPay or, or how? what's what is that there? So the guys that I talk with in West Virginia still they're they have these tablets. I think they're through like Connect Network or something like that. The system operating system. They can do video chat calls now. Now they have to be in like certain places in the pod but yeah you can do video chats with them 15 minutes or 30 minutes long so 
what I do is I get a lot of the dudes that I was either locked up with or some dudes that they know that just came in, you know, just get them on there and have them tell their story, you know, and every time I get on with these dudes, I always send them money because if, even if I don't benefit monetary wise off their story, it's, they're still taking the time out of their day to, you know, release stuff. So why not compensate them? I'm out here. If I can, I'm going to help them out. So it's, it's, it's good for both of us. They get a little bit of money in their pocket. You know, I get a fresh story out there to the ones that are willing to listen. And it's one of the prisons, Huttonsville actually kind of stopped that, you know what I'm saying? With the video visits. So technically now, I can only video chat the individuals that's still up in Mount Olive, which technically that's that's killing ground. That's that's statewide in, uh, in West Virginia. Mount Olive is that's the end. That is the end of the road. That's where you're going to die there. You know, those dudes, the, those big year sentence, the guys up there. West Virginia is not not an execution state, though, right? No, no. You know, right there. And then, like, there's a couple of guys I talked to in Virginia and they got the JP stuff. That's what they use. OK, OK. When you were behind the bars, was there a lot of extortion going on? And if so, what was some of the situations that you've seen take place? Yeah, extortion definitely was. Um, that was one of the things us um, dogs, extortion, we are pretty much hit for hire. That's that's how we originated. That's how pretty much we even got our powers. We were the hitman for BGF. We took care of things that they needed taken care of, right? So. There's a lot of extortion going on. Whenever I got into position of power and was running things, there's a lot of dudes that were just running around and robbing old guys, um, robbing young kids and stuff like that. I didn't like that just because it's hard to come by good individuals while you're in prison. You know what I'm saying? Um, so why would you why would you go and do some stuff like that to good dudes? If you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, right? We're gonna. So if we're gonna do that. Baby rapers, people with messed up charges, any sexual crimes and stuff like that. All the all those dudes are fair play and rats. That's it. The weak, the old, the weak don't do that because that you know these these are either OGs who used to be the man back in the day, but now they're near the end of their sense. Let them be, man. They're not worried about you. So now those are the guys that pretty much I was trying to get extorted. Now it didn't always work out that way, but yeah. Those are the guys, the baby rapers or any type of predators, charges and stuff, and the rats, man. They were all fair game. And there was a lot because West Virginia, we don't really have a PC prison. Now, Northern Regional Prison, Northern Prison, that was kind of a place where dudes could go that are rats or either touchers and stuff. A good bit of them were, but they didn't, it didn't have enough space. Like, there's a lot of dudes in West Virginia, man, that have got messed up charges. So they are on the yard. They're on the yard. You know, they're not back in the hole. There's a few back there, but they don't have enough space back in segregation to hold all these people that are wanting to check in because they're touchers. So they're out there in the yard. And it's free game, man. How I'd pretty much do it. You run game on these dudes. Send one of your homeboys over there to go kind of intimidate them. After he leaves, you go up to him like, you know, just kind of befriend him. Like, man, what's going on? He's bothering you. Now, first, you got to make sure that they actually have money because if they don't have money, then you don't, it's, it's pointless. So make sure they have money, do your homework. Then, you know, just be like, hey, man, you know, I'll keep them off your back pretty much for blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you give a number, sometimes they'd be so grateful 
that you was trying to look out for them that they'd offer $50 a week or $100 a month. So that's how, you know, that's how a lot of good good bit of income came in pretty much, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and just to be clear for the listeners, you all know that we do not, we do not, promote this type of activity but when you're behind bars this is just a way of survival it's a totally different world over here than it is in there and everybody learns from their mistakes and we're just using this as an educational platform for this right now that's exactly what i tell my my followers my subscribers my listeners or the ones that are willing to listen is even though i am still am involved in an organization people say well you could leave that's Regardless, I do not promote that stuff. You, if you go into prison and as long as you don't have any crazy charges, you can fly solo dolo, don't have to join any gang or organization, and you will actually get out a lot faster than if you were. You don't need to be Big Bad Billy. As long as you go in, be yourself, don't tell lies, don't pretend to be someone else, then you are fine. Just be yourself, man. That's what people want. People don't want you to be fake. Just be yourself. And if they don't like you for who you are, then then you don't need to be around them clearly. Do your time and go home to the ones that actually matter to you. Because none of those dudes in there matter at all. They do not, they do not matter because some of those dudes would rather see you in there than on the streets with their loved ones. So it no gain. Absolutely not. No reason to. That that's right. That's right. You most definitely have seen some pretty crazy shit go down. What was some of the stuff, if you can even speak on it, you've seen happen in there? I hit the yard of Mount Olive. Most of the guys up there are never going home. 800-year sentences, 1,000-year sentences, life without, plus XX, or some dudes have life in other states, so they're not going anywhere. The ones that ran the yard up there were Aaron Brotherhood, all right? And these guys were these guys were from, from out west, all right? They pretty much caught murder charges and fled this way and got caught here. They didn't have numbers, but they will kill you. Every single last one of them have already killed somebody in there. Now, these guards also were literally bringing in pounds of methamphetamine, pounds of weed for these guys. Now, they all got hit, and there was a big operation. Like, there was like 29 COs that ended up getting fired. They found bullets, like multiple bullets, because they were gonna they were gonna escape. These guys were gonna escape. They're gonna make those zip tie guns or whatever it is. They were gonna make those things and get out of there. 